Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. It's great to see you all this morning. You can have a seat. Well, you can sit down. I don't mean you can take your chair away with you. You need some hammer and nails and whatever it is to dismantle the, this, the pews here this morning. It's just, how do we thought? I just, I just remember, I was so grateful for the words of that song on that screen this morning. It's great to have screens. It's great to have words. It's great to be able to sing biblical songs where you're declaring the Word of God. You're declaring by faith what He says about Him and what He says about us. That's the power of congregational singing, is we speak out and we sing out His Word. And it's a game changer and a life changer. Something happens when we sing together and we sing out God's Word. I remember years ago, uh, some tippy-toe movements on this platform, not this specific one, but we had a platform that was in mid-construction. And uh, the joiner midweek had put in kind of enough support but the, the stage was like a, a wrestling ring or a box ring ring. You know where the plywood's a bit flexible? Well, in those days, everyone, the elders used to sit on the, the platform, and the guys that did the overhead projector, everybody, it's what I call today a bit tippy-toe. No, the music's on. They kind of worshipped with their toes. So everybody kind of tippy-toed together, and, and the stage started bouncing, and the overhead projector started bouncing, and the words started bouncing on the screen. So much to their annoyance, everybody, everybody who was tippy-toed couldn't be tippy-toed anymore. They had to stand still, and it was, kind of felt awkward. But, but here's the thing, is thank God for, for screens and video projectors. You know, when we meet together, we, don't, we, we meet in a building, and people call this building a church, but this building is not the church. The screens are not the church, but when we meet together, these things facilitate the church meeting together because the ecclesia, the original word, means the people that meet together. So this morning, we are God's people gathered together to worship Him, and that's the purpose of church. So often we think church is just meeting in a building, but church is the body of Christ. It's God's people meeting together to worship, to hear the Word, and to connect together, to pray together, and believe that God will do something together. This morning, I want to share a word with you, and I believe that God will use it to touch people's lives. And the word I have this morning is not going to come up on your screen. I've got an invisible PowerPoint. But the Word of God is Jesus in the midst. I don't mean the midst like the fog, and Jesus comes walking through the fog. I mean in the midst as in He's in the midst of us. So Jesus in the midst. And I've got three points. I usually don't do points. I usually kind of make up. I mean, I usually focus on certain points. But I've got three points here this morning. The first point is the example of Jesus through His temptation. The second point is the overcoming Jesus that's when he's in the boat with the disciples. And number three is Jesus present today in power. So when I get to the third point, you know I'm near the end, or almost near the end, depending how long I go on for. But 
that's the three points I'm going to look at this morning. So number one is, is, is Jesus the example. Jesus the example. Now Jesus, for Christ to be in the midst of us, we need to understand how Jesus operated. Number one, it says that after Jesus was obedient, and he went to John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 4, and he was baptized, he was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. And there he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And Jesus' example for us <clears throat> was that he sought the Father and he was led by the Spirit. And for, for these 40 days and 40 nights, something happened. Now, Christians have been fasting for millennia, last couple of thousand years. A lot of Christians have practiced the habit of fasting. A lot of people do it for a day, three days, 21 days, just with vegetables like the Daniel fast in the Old Testament. Some people are bold enough to do it for 40 days just drinking water, which, man, that is some test. But here's the thing is that it's been scientifically proven that 40 days is the maximum you can go with, go, uh, go fasting on water without, without hurting yourself. So Jesus modeled something that was incredible. He didn't do it for health reasons. He did it for spiritual reasons because he was led by the Spirit of God. And when you fast, something changes in your body where rather than the desire for food or other things that we naturally desire, there's something spiritual takes place. So Jesus modeled a lifestyle. Jesus modeled fasting. Jesus did it. And after the 40 days, something changed because he's able to face the enemy and he quoted the word. Listen, that's an important point. He quoted the word of God. His words had power. He quoted the scripture. So Jesus recognized that the enemy came with him and said, you could, you could jump off this building. You could, you could, you could turn uh, bread to, stone to bread. You can do anything. But Jesus quoted the scripture back at the enemy. Jesus understood the power of the written word. So Jesus was led by the Spirit after the Father's affirmation, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And he was led into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, and something strengthened within him. And something took place where the devil himself came to him and tempted Jesus. But Jesus overcame him by the written Word of God. People say today, oh, you know, the Bible's this, the Bible's that. But here's the thing, Jesus used the written Scripture to overcome the devil. He used the written word because the written word has power. I remember when I was an 18-year-old, uh, having been told that the Bible was a load of nonsense, it was full of, I'll not use the words that people used, and, uh, you know, kind of glimpsed at myself. But then I just said, I remember praying, I said, God, if there's something real here, show me something about your word. And as I began to read the Bible, as I began to read the New Testament, something opened up within my eyes and in my mind when I realized there's some power in here. There's something about this that can change my life. And it did. And many, many people here today know that the Word of God, the written Word of God, has power. The second point this morning is the overcomer, Jesus, in the boat. We know, we know that Jesus and his disciples faced a tempest 
in the Gospels. We know that something came against the disciples when they were in a boat. But the word tempest, we always think of it as a storm, which it was. It was a storm. It was raging winds. But it says the disciples were incredibly afraid, or they were full of fear. But we know the tempest. We know it's a, a, a stirring, a stirring of the enemy. The devil will stir something up against the disciples of Jesus Christ. Because in the midst, in the midst of Christ moving in his disciples' life, in the midst of Jesus taking his disciples on a journey, something happens that scares the something out of the disciples. They're afraid. They're freaked out. They don't know what's happening. But in the midst of it, Jesus models and examples something that is powerful and incredible. Because he speaks to the tempest. He speaks to the storm. He doesn't go on his Apple phone or his Sam Singersong phone and looks at the, the conditions. He doesn't go into GalileanLakes.com to find out what the weather is. He doesn't do any of that. I know the technology wasn't around then. But here's the thing. They were up against impossible circumstances. They were up against something that could take them out and drown them. But here's the thing. Jesus models something, and he says, peace be still. He speaks to the storm. He speaks to the thing that's getting stirred up, and he brings peace into that situation. Jesus models it. Now, here's the thing. In the first example I gave you, Jesus quotes the written Word of God against the devil. John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, in the second example here, is the Word. He's not quoting the written Word. Jesus is the Word. And as He speaks the Word, He is the Word. And with the power and the authority that the Father has bestowed on Him through His baptism, the affirmation of who He is, the Son of God, led by the Spirit into temptation, Jesus does something incredible here. Jesus doesn't just quote the written Word. Jesus is the Word. And as the Word, He has authority to speak to circumstances and situations that are storming and raging against them. And He says, peace be still. His disciples are downloading something and learning something in the midst of a storm that is quite remarkable and quite incredible. They're learning that His Word has power and authority. You see, these Jewish disciples were raised on the Torah, or the Torah, if you say it in Scottish, on the Torah, man. So they're raised on the Torah, which is the first part of the Old Testament Scripture, the Psalms, the prophets, etc. So they understood the power of the written Word. But in this situation, He is the Word, and His words have power, and His words have authority. So they're recognizing that whatever situation they face, His Word, He is the Word, it has power. Now, there comes another time where one of the disciples, a man named Peter, Peter has the courage to go and see Jesus in the midst of the midst of the mist. Peter walks out on the water. You see, something happens where Peter recognizes not only does he have the authority of the written Word, but he is the Word. And as he walks as the Word, Peter responds to the Word by walking out to Him on the water. That's how the miracle takes place. You see, everything that Jesus does, it's a series of events. 
It was like when we were preaching about Stephen when he was stoned, not in marijuana, he was stoned to death by bricks. Stephen's incident and him getting killed led to the Apostle Paul getting saved. You see, everything has a knock-on effect. Everything has impact. Everything knocks on to the next thing. So the disciples are offloading unbelief and they're downloading faith and they're recognizing, man, this, this man isn't, doesn't just have the authority of the written word. He doesn't just have authority, you know, as a prophet. He is the word. He is the authority. What he says changes things. And that's the power of the written word. That's the power of knowing Jesus as the word. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus changes things. When he speaks, something changes. The disciples recognized that, man, he, he, he not only knew how to quote the written word, but he is the word. And when he speaks the storms, things change. Maybe if I speak up in his authority, something will change. Who knows? Who knows? They're pondering and wondering, who is this crazy Jesus guy, man? He's speaking to storms, and even the water goes from like 10-foot waves to like, whew, still almost in set. We're like, what's going on? What's going on? So they're downloading, they recognize the authority that he has power. He has authority. He has wisdom. He not only quotes the written word, he is the word. He is the authority. Jesus, there's something about you that's, that's changing me. There's something about you that, that there's authority. What's going on, Jesus? So point number one is the example, solo. He was on his own with a father and the spirit. He was led, and he was the example. Number two, the overcomer, Jesus, in the boat. He demonstrates it to the disciples, not only the power of the written word, he is the word, and he's the authority. Let's move on to point number three. Jesus present and in power today. Jesus is present. Jesus is in the midst of us. Let me explain that, what I mean by that. Because Jesus Christ lived on the earth 2,000 years ago. He, was, he walked with his disciples for uh, approximately three years. They saw miracles, signs, and wonders. The crowds who loved him suddenly turned on him, and he was crucified. And the, the, the Word of God, the written Word teaches that He died for our sins. So the Messiah was, was, was crucified. He died for our sins. But here's the thing. Something happened at Pentecost that was quite amazing. Fifty days after, after Jesus had been raised from the dead. Some, something significant, something significant happens. Something happens. And the thing that happens is just before Jesus ascends into heaven, Matthew 28, some of you who've read the Scriptures before, something changes. And here's the change. Jesus says to His disciples, He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, we're moving towards the end of the age. We're kind of in there. So that's the start of the church age. So, so, so something happens, and, and even in that moment, just before Jesus ascends into heaven, one of the disciples is, is kind of doubting Thomas. He, he, he has doubts, and he, he asks Jesus to verify 
who he is. But I love Thomas. I love the fact that he has doubts. He's, he's unsure. He's not sure what's happening. I love that because he's real and he's honest about where he's at. But here's the thing. Something takes place in Matthew 28. It's called a great exchange where Jesus, Jesus, Jesus speaks unto his disciples, the early church. And he says, all authority that was on him, peace be still, that spoke to the storm. He said, all authority in heaven and earth, he downloads onto the boys, onto the disciples, onto his church. So it's a game changer. Something takes place. So there's a change. There's a change in who's going to lead. There's a change in who's going to speak. There's a change in how this thing's going to operate. You see, they all looked at, they all had the high priest syndrome. They're all like, oh, Jesus, the high priest, awesome, Jesus, love you, Jesus, you're the man, you're, the, you're God, you're the Word, not just the written Word, you are the Word, you're the authority, oh, Jesus, you're the man, oh, you're going now, where are you going? You're going up to heaven, how the heck's this thing going to work? How are we going to do this? How, how are we going to make this happen? Then Jesus speaks all authority in heaven and on earth. He downloads, there's an exchange on the disciples, so something Waymaker, miracle work. Something takes place. Something changes. Something is changing in the mind of the disciples. Something is going on inside their brains. At one point, they'll be incredibly insecure, thinking it's all over. How are we going to cope without the big J? And some of the guys are thinking, man, he said it. He said it. It's going to happen. He said it. Therefore, it's going to happen. So the problem that we like a rugby scrub and all the boys together, lads, 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 getting together, they're like, he said it. Okay, let's agree. But the amazing thing happens is that Pentecost cometh. So that was my King James. Pentecost comes and something happens because you can ask Jewish people about this. They all say, Messianic Jews say, it was a miracle that 120 of them got in an upper room and agreed together. They said, you can't get three Jews agreeing together. That's from Jewish people have heard that. They said, so for 120, something supernatural must have been bubbling and brewing in them. Then something happens when the, the Spirit of God is poured out upon the early church. The Spirit of God is poured out upon the 12, plus the extended band of sisters and brothers. Something is brewing and something is happening. Then the Spirit of God is, is poured out. The Holy Spirit's poured out upon the church. And people are thinking, what is going on in, in the book of Acts? And Acts chapter 2, something takes place where... Peter addresses the crowds. The crowds are gathered because they're speaking in multiple languages. The disciples are speaking in tongues, and all these people are saying, man, this makes sense. What's going on? So Peter stands up in the midst of them, and Peter begins, begins to say, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. So these people think the disciples are drunk. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, He says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, this is lovely, it's awesome, and everyone, how about an inclusive message, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved. Wow, how beautiful is that? Everyone, everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's beautiful. So many people on that day when Peter spoke, 3,000 plus came to know Jesus. They came to know Him. You see, all authority in heaven on earth, I give to you 12 men spoken to. Here's the thing. On that day, thousands come to know Jesus. You see, all authority. Jesus spoke the written word, which we still do today. We quote and speak and declare the written word. Jesus is the word, all authority. He spoke with authority. Today, the outpouring of the Spirit upon the church is that we can speak with the same authority. Peter spoke at Pentecost, and thousands came to know Jesus Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, greater things shall you do. And people who believe that today, that they can see great things happen. I've been in a meeting where 15,000 people came to know Jesus. I wasn't the preacher. I was just present. 15,000 people came to know Christ at once. A friend of mine who used to work with Reinhard Bonke in Nigeria, I can't remember how many years ago, but 1.6 million people were in a meeting at once. And hundreds of thousands of people came to know Jesus in a meeting. Greater things shall you do. All authority. You see, there's those who believe that authority was passed on to the twelve. There's those who believe that authority is passed on to his church today. Who needs a download here this morning? Who needs some authority? Who needs to waken up to the authority that Christ has given you for the glory of God? You see, there's something about that authority that it says in the in, in the book of Acts, it says that they broke bread and they fellowshiped together, um, and Christ was in the midst of them. And every revival, every revival that's taken, that's taken place throughout the world, there's always been a sense of Christ in the midst of them. So when the Spirit of God is poured out, there's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's Christ in the midst of us. So as we worship Him, as we break bread together, as we communion Him, as we read the Scriptures together, it's Christ in the midst of us. So, so, so today, Jesus, sorry, 2,000 years ago, Jesus had the affirmation of the Father, but then He was led by the Spirit, so He modeled it to be led by the Spirit of God. And the disciples themselves modeled it. They recognized the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize the three persons of the Godhead. And today, as we sense the presence of God in our midst, it's Jesus Christ who is in the midst of us. That's who it is, church. As we sense the Holy Spirit hover over meetings, or we sense as we have a conversation in a coffee shop or a hotel room, it's Christ in the midst of us. So it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God moving in our midst, but it's Christ in the midst of us. The Bible says as we lift up the name of Jesus, that all men shall be drawn together to, to Jesus. People will be drawn to Him. So as we lift up the name of Jesus in our lives, people will be drawn to Him. I believe the days of, of pushing through are here. We need to push in and press into what, what God has for us. Listen to this. Before Jesus, before Jesus messaged it, He modeled it. After he modeled it, he multiplied it. 
I'll say that again. Before Jesus messaged it, nor was he preached, he modeled it. He went and fasted for 40 days, led by the Spirit. Before he messaged it, he modeled it. After he modeled it, he multiplied it. How did he multiply it? Through his church, through the 12, through the 120, through the early church, through the people who got saved, through the people that spoke to the neighbors, through the people that prayed with people, invited people in. That's how it multiplied. And today, the church of Jesus Christ is multiplying throughout the, 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 the nations of the earth. So Jesus, before, he mess, before Jesus messaged it, he modeled it. After he modeled it, he multiplied it. The kingdom of God, Christ, is in our midst. I'll tell you a wee bit about my week. Um, it's not going to be boring. It's going to be exciting, honest. So on Monday, I put my socks on. I'm just kidding. So on Monday, I was on a day off, and uh, I had to, uh, I went and bought some, I need to do some path work, you know, like lay some slabs in, in, in my garden. So I saw them being a frugal Scotsman. Any frugal Scotsman here? Anybody's a Scotsman's frugal. So uh, frugal Scotsman, I, 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 I managed to secure some in Dunfermline, the ones I wanted or I thought I wanted. And I managed to find, you know these guys, you get a man with a van. Has anybody seen that? I managed to get a man with a van. And where's Glendale Nagasaki? Glenn took me through in his car. It took me to Dunfermline. So we, we, we met this guy. And um, when, when we met the guy, he was a lovely guy. I thought he was going to kill me. So um, when, when we met him, he, he started to argue about the amount of slabs and how many trips it would take and all this kind of stuff. But I just felt to be silent, so I just stood back and watched him have an argument with himself. It was wonderful. By the end of it, he actually agreed with himself and me. So by the end of it, but I was like, dear God, help me get out of this because this could turn scary any minute. So uh, on the way back, uh, I said to Glenn, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in the van with the guy. And Glenn was like, all right. So I, I got in the van with the lad, and it turned out his journey, his life journey, had been quite difficult. It had been really tough. I mean, really rough. And, and here's the thing. There had been suicide, and, and last week was suicide uh, week around the world. And there had been a lot of torment, a lot of pain, and I spent, because we had to go back and forth a couple of times, I spent a good hour or three with them. And we had a lot of fun, a lot of banter. But in the midst, listen to this, in the midst of it, Jesus in the midst, I managed to pray with them. And the Spirit of God touched his life. Isn't that awesome? And I said, what's your greatest need? He, wa he wants a thing to open up, a bit of land, so he can have his stories, bricks, or whatever he does on it. So we prayed with him about that, and the Spirit of God touched him. Praise God. Isn't that good? So Jesus in the midst. So on Tuesday, we were at, where were we Tuesday, Fiona? Oh, we were at a, a thing in a cross in Fife, a meeting in Fife where people meet. It's called like a Holy Spirit filling meeting, where people go to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was to speak for 20, 30 minutes, which we did do this awesome worship, Spirit of God moving. Uh, we we did, did a little word just to encourage people, uh, got prophetic words, so people set free. And one guy who was there, we prayed with, who was, his body was all twisted. His back had been in pain for years. We prayed with him, and God healed him in that meeting. Come on, give Jesus a mighty shout of praise. So God is in the business of healing people. Yesterday, I had another workman <laughs> I met with, and uh, I said, are you an atheist? I kind of could smell. I could smell an atheist. I went, are you an atheist? He went, aye. I said, okay. So you got a sore back. He said, aye. I said, do you want me to pray for it? 
So we ended up praying with him as well. So listen, Jesus in the midst. And God's no respecter of persons. What he's doing in me, he can do in you as well. And it's not a priest thing, it's a Jesus thing. Because listen to this, when Jesus spoke to the twelve, the twelve apostles, Peter stood up and the thing has echoed down the centuries, greater things shall ye do. So when we pray for people, Christ in the midst, Jesus is moving in our midst. There's something about Christ moving in our midst. I want to announce to you here today, ladies and gentlemen, that Jesus Christ is alive and well. When Jesus ascended into heaven 2,000 years ago, He sent His Holy Spirit, the Father authorized, the Spirit of God was poured out upon the earth, the church at Jerusalem. And from there on in, the church has grown ever since. There's a billion to two billion believers, allegedly, on the face of the earth today. So a lot of people believe in Jesus. So something needs to change in the world. The key is Jesus. I'm here to announce to you today, and this is no surprise, the answer's no Nicola or Boris. The answer, I don't mean to get political, okay, I'm not. The answer is Jesus. Here's the thing, politicians come and they go, they come and they go, but the Word of God, the Word of God has stood forever. It's been quoted in churches throughout the centuries, it's been quoted, it's been preached, and many, many people have come to know Jesus as the living Christ. So today, today's your day, today's your moment. We're going to, I'm going to invite the band up to sing. Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not away to pull someone out. People on the front and over looking freaked out there, like, what the heck's he doing? So, here's the thing. I want to invite everyone to know Jesus. I've got Bibles, I've got loads of them, or we've got loads of them here this morning. And if you don't know him, you can know him. He's as close as a prayer away. The Bible says that if we believe, confess with our mouths, and believe in our hearts that he is the Christ, that we shall be saved. There's someone powerful about the Word of God. There's something powerful about confession. Can I invite us all to stand? Is that okay? I'm just going to pray a gentle prayer. I believe in the power of opportunity. I'm not going to sell you life insurance. Don't worry. I'm going to tell you about someone way greater. It's about Jesus the Messiah. I believe that Jesus, Jesus quoted the written Word, he, he was the manifestation of the Word. They recognized that on them when He spoke to the storm. But here's the manifestation of the Word today. The Word is in our mouths. As we, as we listen, as we read the Word, meditate upon the Word, and we begin to speak it out, something changes in atmospheres. Saints of God, I want to encourage you, wherever you go this week, whatever you do, Jesus is with you. Jesus is in the midst of what you're doing. And I believe that some of you are going to see a change where there's been slight timidity there's going to be a boldness in your week. Today as well, I want to invite every single person to have the chance just to pray this prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer where it, where it acknowledges God the Father, acknowledges what Jesus did on the cross, and acknowledges that the Holy Spirit is here today, Jesus in the midst, the, the Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to invite people to pray this prayer. If you want to pray this prayer, just say it with all your heart. Don't hold back. It's none of, nobody's business next to you or the person next to you. It's between you and the Lord. So if you want to pray, just you pray it out. This is between you and God. Don't care about anybody else. You and Jesus. He's your maker. I'm not your maker. He's not your maker. None of these guys are your maker. Jesus is the maker. He's the creator. 
So I want to invite us just to pray this prayer with me. If you want to close your eyes and just bow your heads, you can pray this prayer. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you demonstrated that love by sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for me. Thank you that you died for me, that you died for my sins, that you rose again from the grave to overcome and to conquer death. And I thank you that on this day, I choose to invite you, Jesus, into my heart. Come and fill me with your love. Come and flood me with your Holy Spirit. And right now, I'm just going to pray for you all. Father God, I thank you for everyone that's prayed that prayer. It's the most beautiful prayer. And I thank you for the lives that have been touched and changed in this moment and on this day. Thank you, Jesus, that you're in the midst of us. And I pray that as they go forward, they'll know you in the midst of their lives. Oh God, in Jesus' name. I want to invite, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, you said it with all your heart. We're going to have Bibles here just to give everyone. And if you want to come and speak to someone, just to pray with you, because we can see amazing miracles and breakthrough in people's lives as we lay hands on people. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus.